I'll now invite Andy to introduce Chioma, who's then going to speak to us. Good morning, everyone. Uh, before COVID struck us down, uh, I used to go into the Release International office in uh, Orpington in Kent and um, sit at a desk, the other side of which was Chioma. So I was able to look at Chioma all day and cheer, cheer myself up. Uh, so it was, it was, it was, it is with great pleasure that uh, Chioma accepted the invitation to attend Christchurch here and speak on behalf of Release International. It's particularly good because this month's mission partner is Release International. So, uh, Choma, could you tell us a little bit about Release International? What is its mission and its work? Okay. Good morning, church. It's a real pleasure to be here. So, Release International is an, a Christian ministry, and we've gosh, been around for over 50 years. And part of our work is really serving and supporting persecuted Christians who face difficulty and discrimination for their faith. So we work supporting partners on the ground. Um, so churches, ministers, groups, and some of what they do is providing resources, aid, support to Christians, as said, in about 25 countries. So ranging from sort of Pakistan, India, to China. Um, we also work in northern Nigeria, in Sri Lanka. So really in many, many countries around the world supporting them, giving them the tools, but also praying for them and raising awareness of their plight and using our voice um, to be part of the change as well. So how extensive is Christian persecution around the world? Oh, the statistics are staggering, actually. When you look at some of the facts around it, it can be quite difficult to deal with, but at the same time, We've got to keep on praying. We've got to keep on raising awareness because we don't hear it on the mainstream news at all. It's not reported. But we as believers, we can make a difference by sharing those stories, by praying for them, and also learning lessons of discipleship from our brothers and sisters who face persecution. Before you talk to us about release, uh, Chairman, could you tell us what your role is in, in release? Okay, so um, I've been with release over five years, and my initial role was actually heading up the youth and young adults department um, at Release, so I've done that. And then in September, I took on a role as the engagement manager for London and the South, so part of what I do is speaking in churches, raising awareness about our work, but also encouraging believers to stand with us, pray with us, and um, see God move in the lives of our brothers and sisters. Wonderful. And why did you choose to work for Release International originally? I think for me it was really a ministry that I had um, graduated from studying theology and youth work and so really was about using those gifts that I had gained to serve young people but also now raising awareness because I think the first time I read one of the books about persecution was a book um, called Jesus Freaks and I don't know if anyone remembers anyone who's old enough okay, or young enough if you like to remember Jesus Freaks and that was the first time you know, seeing Christians and hearing of these remarkable stories of Christians who were facing difficulty, but yet they were saying, we will not let suffering and persecution stop us from serving God. And so that was my first introduction to the work of release. Very good. 
because we partner with um, our sister organization called Voice of Matters, and they had written the book um, as well. So. Okay, very yeah. good. Well, I'll leave you to it, Chiama. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, um, Andy, and thank you, Reverend Dobbs, for um, inviting me. It's a real pleasure to be here today, this morning, and thank you for the reading as well, because that scripture really just talks about Christians, and, um, but also the whole issue of, of flight and persecution. So actually, persecution and flight is not new. We see that in that story. That was the first dispersal of Christians and believers that they had to flee from where they were to a different country. But what we see there is the gospel growing. We see believers and the number being increased daily because of the persecution of Christians. And so, as, as I mentioned at the beginning, so part of our role is to love and serve persecuted Christians. You know, we provide them the tools. So things like even providing resources to pastors who say, we want to be able to preach, but we don't have the Bibles. And so we would equip them through providing training programs for ministers so that they can go out, but also things like Bibles so that they can go out and preach the gospel as well. Other things that we can do as well is we, we support sort of projects like in Northern Nigeria, for instance, we support um, a partner, Archbishop Benjamin Kwashi. He's the Archbishop of Joss, and he works out in the community there. And they face horrendous things um, happen to believers there. But yet he says, we will not let fear stop the work that we're doing out there. And so um, they also offer things, like I mentioned, trauma counseling clinics, because we know out there a lot of people have experienced difficulties and traumatic things happen to them due to Boko Haram and what they've done. We've had churches raised to the ground. We've had people killed. But actually, by offering trauma counseling clinic, they're able to help believers to process what they've um, experienced and live holy for Jesus. Other things we do are we sign petitions, and so that's something I would encourage people to do as well. You can write to your MPs, and there's some information at the back that you can come out and get, where you can write letters or cards of encouragement to Christians in prison for their faith. And you can encourage them, because those letters and those things really, really make a difference. And so as I, as I carry on speaking, just wanted to get us to just stop for a moment and just think about home. What does the word home mean to you? And I will sort of just ask people in the audience if they can share and be a little bit more interactive. So I'll just come over. Okay, yeah? Safety, Safety yeah? Security. Security. Okay. Comfort, yeah? Like shelter, absolutely. And so when we think of the word home, we've shared all these things, comfort, security. But for a lot of Christians, home is where they find themselves. And so many have had to flee their home countries. And in the summer, we saw scenes of many trying to get out of Afghanistan because they knew that once the Taliban took over, the freedoms that they enjoyed, the relative freedoms, will no longer be the case. And so, and I'm reminded of a, a, a family that I met in Pakistan, a Pakistani family that I met in Thailand. And they had had to flee and leave everything overnight. So he was a doctor and his wife was a midwife. 
and they lived in their part of Pakistan. And in Pakistan, so there's a, a, a map there actually that shows sort of how Christians have fled and the staggering statistics. So we think of places like Syria, we think of Iran, where we've seen large numbers um, have to really leave overnight. And we see so many, Eritrea, Ethiopia, so many, many countries. And most recently, we know of Ukraine, where people have had to leave everything because of war. And I remember this family that I met in Pakistan, in Thailand, rather, Pakistani family, when I took a team of young people and we had gone on a mission trip. And one of the things that really struck me about them was he was a doctor and his wife a midwife and they had three teenage children. And they said, we have had to leave everything for the sake of the gospel. Because they were told, if you do not leave the clinic that was supporting Christians and supporting the community will be raised to the ground. And so it was a difficult thing. They had to make a difficult choice. What do we take with us? I mean, when you think of home and you think of all your comforts and the things that we have, what do you choose? But they had to just take themselves and leave everything. And they ended up in um, Thailand where they were awaiting resettlement by the UN. But what was really remarkable about meeting them was, one, their faith, the hope that they had in Jesus. But also they, were, they, they inspired us and encouraged us because they said, we've lost everything, but at least we have Jesus. And here we have the family of God supporting us. So a local church, we're supporting them. And so I really want us, as we think of home and as we think of those who flee, to remember them. Remember them in your prayers. Remember them raising awareness about the injustices that takes place. But also writing letters of encouragement. So like I mentioned, you can write a letter. And I'll share a story of a woman called Asya Bibi. And I don't know if any of you ever heard of, I mean, she was another Pakistani woman who people might have heard of her story. And one of my colleagues, he had gone out to Pakistan a few years ago and he, he had gone to her home to visit her family. And he said one thing that really struck him was seeing all these letters that people had written from around the world encouraging them. Because here she was facing death penalty just because she was a Christian. But he said the letters that people had written really encouraged her, her children, and her family, because they were believers around the world standing in faith with them. And thank God she was acquitted. And so really those are some of the things that we can do, because sometimes it's so easy. You hear those stories and you're like, I can't do anything, but we can. We can write letters, we can pray, we can give of our time and volunteer, and those are some of what we can do. So that was just showing a picture of um, Afghanistan. And then the next one, please. And that was the scripture that we read. So, and so when we think of that scripture, we see many, many things. So first we see the story of Stephen as he was a first martyr. And through that, through that persecution, through that persecution, what we see is... Would you go back to scripture, please? So through that persecution, what we see is the church dispersing. But yet the church grew. And we see that today, even in China. I mean, China, many Christians can't meet freely and the church meets on the ground. But what we see is that one of the fastest growing churches. We see that also in places like Iran, despite the persecution that 
Christians face that it has also the fastest growing churches. And all the things that we see in that scripture as well is we see joy at the end. It says that there was great joy. And that's what, the, what salvation and what the hope of Jesus can do, can bring that hope. And that's what we see also in the lives of our brothers and sisters. Because at release, we really say they are brothers and sisters. Because in the Bible, it talks about if one part of the body suffers, everyone else suffers. And so we see that great joy. And so I really want to encourage you to say, what is the cost for you of following Jesus? It might not be as drastic as leaving everything that you own. But what is the cost of following Jesus? And so we see their boldness. We see gospel, the gospel being spread. We see hope and we see joy. And so in that, in that reading, we see that persecution teaches us a lot about discipleship. And this is what we say even with our brothers and sisters, that we have so much to learn about Christian discipleship from them. Because actually many times we think, oh, yeah, we're going to teach them what they know too. And I've heard this from people who've gone on mission trips. They say, oh, yeah, I've gone out there thinking I'm going to make a difference. But actually everyone has come back saying, gosh, I learned so much about me, about faith, about Jesus. But we see in five key areas of the Christian life. So we see the mission of the gospel, we see the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we see the church growing, and we see hope. And so I'm just going to share a quick story of northern Nigeria. Um, attacks have really grown, and we've seen terrorism at its greatest heights. And there are more stories in our quarterly magazine called The Voice, which I encourage you to read. But yet what we see there is God at work in the lives of our brothers and sisters. As I mentioned, Benjamin Kwashi, um, he's written a book called Need a Bullet, No Bomb, and he shares in this, this story, in his book, about how three times there have been attacks on his life, but he said, we will not let fear stop us from doing the work. And so he courageously lives there, serves God, and raises awareness about what's going on so that we can pray and we can get behind it. And this is a widow reading a card that someone had sent saying we're really trusting God and we thank God for your life. And she said that reading that card really brought so much faith and hope to her because she thought here she was as a widow, lost her husband to one of the attacks, but yet receiving a card of encouragement from a believer. And it really made a difference to her life. And so I just want to encourage you that those are some of the things that we can do. We can write letters, we can pray. And we can stand with our brothers and sisters. And so our response, like I mentioned, prayer. For us, prayer is a big, big, big part of what we do at Release. Because we've seen God answer prayers in the lives of our brothers and sisters. I talked about the story of Asya Bibi. But also, we have a resource called Prayer Shield. And it's available at the back, so you can pick it up. And in there, there are daily prayers that you can pray. And these are prayers sent in by believers. And so today, in March, we are praying for India. And there's a specific prayer here. Um, and, and it says, Thank God for the overcoming faith of Hulda, who still worships and serves in the church she planted with her husband. He was murdered for his bold witness in 2018, but yet she's still there serving God and, and following Jesus. And so really encouraging us to, one, pray. That's something we can all do. 
we can um, also give of our time and our resource and we can raise awareness about the issues of injustice that takes place. We also have a monthly podcast that you can listen to as well because it gives you a bit more information um, from our different partners. And actually last month's episode was one of our partners who works, um, he's based in the UK, but he runs a project called Operation Philip where they have to take, help people to leave places like Pakistan and go to a safe country as well. And so I really encourage you at the end, come sign up to receive our magazine um, where you can read more. Because again, we don't hear this on the mainstream news. But through following some of our resources, you can find out a bit more. We have a weekly um, email list that goes out, but also pray, we pray alerts that you can really pray for believers on the ground. And so you can give your time, volunteer like Andy does, gives us you know, some of his time, money. You can write to your MP. You can write to prisoners, and you can listen to our podcast. So these are some of the things that we can do to get involved with the work of release as well. And you can also sign up um, our, to, to receive more information from ourselves. And it just gives us permission to send you, say, our e-magazine or even a post, um, postal magazine as well. And um, finally, wanted to share, and actually there is a form at the back that people can sign up. So retired vicar Robert DeBerry, he's a remarkable man. And um, five years ago for his 75th birthday, I believe, or for his 70th birthday, he said he wanted to give time. So he cycles and he says, I want to raise some money for release. And actually, another organization that we work with called um, CSW, they do similar work, Christian Solidarity Worldwide. So he said he wanted to raise, and he wanted to raise 50,000 pounds for both organizations. And actually, he did it. So he cycled over 950 miles. And I remember thinking, gosh, I, I, don't, I can't cycle <laughs> that distance from Scotland all the way to West Sussex. And actually, this year for his birthday, he's doing the same. So there is a sign-up form at the back if you wanted to get involved, to donate, or to get involved with the cycling as well. And it's from May the 14th to June 20th. But a lot of all of this information that I've shared is available on our website. So you can get involved. But also, you might decide, maybe I'm not a cyclist. I like to bake. And you can do that and raise funds. So whatever your gifts or talents are, you can use that to raise awareness um, of our brothers and sisters as well. Some people have done sort of song nights. Um, so whatever your skills and your talents are, you can do that to raise awareness and support our brothers and sisters as well. And um, next month, we've got an event called All Out for God that you can also get involved in. Again, it's an opportunity to take off your shoes and think of those who don't have a home church, because we know, as we know in some countries, they simply don't have a church to worship in. So you can do that to raise awareness of our brothers and sisters. But all of this information, like I mentioned, is available at our website, releaseinternational.org. And finally, follow us on our social media, um, which has more information, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, or Instagram as well, and listen to our podcast. And, um, and I just want to just finish with a quote from... Um, Archbishop Ben's book, and he, he, 
he wrote to us, the UK church. And he said something, he said, may we never, rem may we never forget the legacy left by the British colonials in Nigeria, he was talking about those whose parents and grandparents had come to Nigeria to share the gospel there. He said, may we never forget that. But also, he said, an even more important legacy of that era, for which he's eternally grateful for, is that of the missionaries, the missionaries who came to his home and brought health, education, and the gospel. And so, finishing off, I just want us to remember we can pray, we can give of our time, and we can remember our brothers and sisters in our lives as well, and think of the cost, what is the cost of following Jesus for you in your context? It might be completely different, but how would we, what would we give up, or what would, what would we pay as a price for our faith in knowing Jesus? And I know even in this season of Lent, we're thinking of things that people can give up and things that people can do. What can we do to raise awareness of the plight of our brothers and sisters, and how can we learn lessons of discipleship from them? Thank you. Thank you.